the twilight of the gods' nears. Brother will kill brother. Families will be sundered by murder. Four ages are afoot. An axe age, a sword age, where shields are cloven. A wind age, a wolf age, where the world falls. No one shall be spared. Welcome to Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion RPG podcast. Prepare for adventure. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. The heart of winter has beaten and been hammered by the giants. Femme winter has come. Hey guys, Jim here from Ragnarok and Roll, Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Unfortunately, our gaming group wasn't able to get together again. We promise we will be getting new episodes up and out before Christmas, or even Yule for those who celebrate Yule. So I just wanted to take some time to chat with you guys and answer some questions that we had. Yes, for the record, the group has ascended to demigodhood. Their parents have bestowed many gifts on them. Their powers have increased. The group have stepped up to the next level of Scion, which is demigod. Their divine ichor is now a little more potent in their human body, and they're basically the proverbial half-god. So now that they're demigods, a little bit has changed in the world. Loud Bane's gone. Before Gnip Cave. The bonds shall break. The wolf run free. Hidden things I know. Still onward I see. The doom of the powers, the gods of war, Volspa. Welcome to the end of the world. I mean, just to give you an idea that uh, now that Fimbovinter has happened, which, by the way, like I told the group, NASA explained that a asteroid had intersected with Earth's orbit. Its path through space was such that no one spotted it until it skimmed right past the moon. Astronomers and satellites spotted it only mere hours before impact. The scientists predicted three years of winter from the dust kicked up by the impact. Which, unfortunately, as we all know, Fargo, North Dakota, took the blunt of it for us all. But that's okay, they have a great TV show named after them, at least. So within days, people start calling the impact the Jotunhammer, though no one can say exactly who started using that name. Tensions arise between nations as they grid themselves for war over food that will become scarce in the ensuing winter. Society teeters on the brink of ruin. Just the kind of scenario that will need heroes at their best, performing great deeds to increase their legend until it's time to travel to Asgard and take their place among the gods in the final battle. 
So, also, besides the dust being kicked up, in our version of the Fimbleventer, we're also saying that the Ring of Fire in the Pacific, those volcanic activities around the Pacific Ocean, have also been kicked up. So there's this beautiful combination of fire and ice going to be affecting the world. But the big thing is, is to be prepared, because now that Fimbleventer is here, we have entered a Wind Age. Jotunheimer killed everyone within 200 miles of impact, with secondary disasters killing people around the world. But the impact of the Jotunheimer was just the beginning. The dust from the impact darkens the skies. The most severe blockage of sunlight lasts for a week, but the northern temperate latitudes have no real summer, just a few months of milder cold. Though heroic effort and intense use of smudge pots to warm the fields, regions that normally enjoy warm or mild climates manage poor harvests of cold-tolerant crops such as turnips and barley. Even in the tropics and southern hemisphere, the chill and disrupted weather patterns devastate crops. Food prices skyrocket. Those who can buy food hoard it. Those that can grow it either steal it or starve. Governments call out to their armies to suppress food rights. Some bombs select cities in order to pacify their people and cut down on the number of mouths to feed. Some countries turn to the sea to feed themselves for several months, but the dark and cold of Fembleventer decimates the plankton that sustain most marine life. The oceans are soon well and truly fished out. One year into Fembleventer, famine will have already killed a hundred times more people than the Jotunheimer itself. Forecasters predict that before the three-year winter ends, three billion people will starve and die from the plagues that already rip through the hunger-weakened populations. Countless millions of refugees head towards the equator in hopes of finding food, overwhelming the armies sent out to stop them. The wars begin almost at once after the Jotunheimer. In dozens of countries, disoriented tribes and factions use the chaos to seize power and settle old scores. Other countries fight each other over food and fuel. China overwhelms Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia to turn them into plantations worked at gunpoint. North Korea extorts food from South Korea and Japan using the threat of nuclear weapons. The United States does not threaten to punish such attacks. It's too busy fighting in Venezuela, Nigeria, and the Persian Gulf for control of the oil fields. The minions of the Titans act ever more boldly. The vast media network that placed so much of Midgard under humanity's fate-binding gaze shreds with everything else. Satellite phones still work, but other forms of communication become semi-unreliable. If giants sack a town, odds are that only the townsfolk will see them. If cultists burn people in their homes as sacrifices to cert, the neighbors only try to protect themselves. The lesser creatures of legend become the first to show themselves. Yet, the greater, who have more to fear from fate-binding, eventually bester themselves as well. Ghosts and specters walk most openly at all. The Jotunheimer killed ten millions in minutes. Many of the slain became ghosts, while the shock wave of death briefly forces all the passages between the world and the underworld, releasing countless spirits from Helheim. The scions move through the world filled with ancient myth and legends, all of them dark, terrifying, and deadly, except for their own. Now death is the portion of doomed men, red with blood the buildings of the gods. The sun burns black in the summer after. Winds whine. Well, would you know more? Quote from Volspa. And forget not that this is also a wolf age. 
Fembovirtur affects the human soul as well as the weather, making the devastation much worse than it needs to be. More than hardship dissolves the bonds of trust and law. The dark virtues of the Titans infect all mortal souls, driving them to ruthless greed, cruelty, and fanaticism. Every mortal now carries one dot in one of the dark virtues. Therefore, when a person finds an opportunity to gain some advantage at the expense of others, there's a chance that ambition overpowers any loyalty, morality, or sense of long-term consequences. Likewise, mortals find moments of irritation and dislike magnified into vicious malice, while attraction or avarice becomes blind rhapsody. Even those who hold fast to the codes of conduct risk having their ethics corrupted by rigid zealotry that ignores human cost for blind obedience or abstract principles. Crime becomes universal and frequently monstrous. People kill each other over petty rivalries, passing insults, or a bit of food. If the authorities even try to maintain order, they swiftly become tyrants. No one is safe anywhere. Some people have more than one dark virtue, or more than one dot. They accept the titans' ways wholeheartedly, as monsters in human form. With the zealotry of Torquemedia, the rhapsody of Jeffrey Dahmer, the malice of Vlad the Impaler, and the ambition of Genghis Khan. They might not even stay outwardly human. In dreams, the titans reveal to them methods of becoming werewolves and other forms of titan spawn. The titan's spiritual taint has only one cure, fate binding to a god or a scion. The mortal does not need to like the scion, but within the limits of the role that fate binds to him. He can think for himself and resist the titan's dark virtues. Mortals remain immune to the titan's taint after the fate binding ends. Scions, therefore, face a choice between letting the human race turn more monstrous or deliberately binding mortals to themselves, and vice versa. So as you can see, folks, the world has gone to hell in a handbasket, and that's hell with one L. Just to give you an idea, humanity is basically trying its best to push back against its dark virtues. And hopefully the group's going to be able to exhibit, let's just say, the best and brightest of the Acer Pantheon. As well as this season, a few new pantheons will be popping up from time to time. And speaking of new things popping up, a few old things will be coming back as well. Lucius is up to his own pranks right now, trying to decide how he's going to help hinder or help Ragnarok, as well as some of the other gods and godlings that the group have met, and maybe even a few titans spawn that they've treated rather kindly. I know the translucent one herself is not enjoying how her mother's taking the world to a cold, wet place and doing bad things to it. But I'm also curious about what you guys would like the group to see at the demigod level. This is the level where you're going to see a lot more supernatural heavy hitters coming into play, and Hero... Pretty much most things could get away with hiding behind the mist or the veil or the masquerade, as you know, some of the World of Darkness players are used to calling it. And I was wondering what it is you guys listening at home would like to see our intrepid band run into. So if you, if you have any suggestions or any cool ideas you'd like me to throw out there through their demigod level up to God, don't forget to shoot us an email at creativeplaypodcastnet at gmail.com. And I promise I'll get back to your emails just as soon as I can. And also, if you want a faster way of getting a hold of us, you can also catch us on Facebook as Creative Play and Podcast Network, or Twitter at Creative P-P-N-E-T. And by all means, hit me up. I'll uh, check you back as soon as I get the message and uh, hit you with the follow. 
And in case you were wondering, a lot of those snippets did come from Scion Ragnarok and Scion Demigod. By the way, check out both those books, especially Ragnarok. That's personally one of my favorite because it goes into a lot of the classic Eddas, the old Viking stories. And check out some of the ideas in there for future snippets because they have lots of teasers to, hey, here's, here's a... So on another note, I've been uh, hitting up all of the boards for Onyx. They're the new publisher for Scion. And I just wanted to give you guys some heads up on a few new changes that are going to be happening around. Honestly, nothing's been released yet, and our group's moving ahead with going to Demigod and keeping the rules set as they are. But Neil Raymond Price is now the new uh, head developer for the Scion RPG project. And that was announced back in June, July, I believe, on the uh, Onyx Path website. Honestly, I'm enthusiastically looking forward to the fact that uh, Neil has been part of the Scion. That Neil was always a part of the uh, Scion team, so now seeing him as one of the as the head developer, that'll hopefully help speed things on to see Scion 2.0. As uh, Neil said in his blog once, Scion's been a love of mine for years. Some of my best role-playing experiences were attached to Scion, and I'm very eager to shepherd the second edition of the line through the four core books and beyond. Scion 2nd Edition is a game of ancient powers that never tr fully went away. They wander our roads and cities, mingling with the teeming masses of humanity. You are one of their children, born to the magic of yesterday and the promise of tomorrow. So just keep an eye out for the Onyx Path website. They've got lots of new announcements coming out. And I just wanted to give you guys a, head a heads up on some of the teasers that have been linked out. If you go to the Onyx Path publishing website, you can actually find the link that will show you the new, game, the new game mechanics that they're going to be going for. Pretty much in the blog, they said that the one thing that they wanted to go for for the system was to have a, a legacy feeling. That your fans were, they were keeping the best of the attractive features from Scion and Trinity. And making things a little easier to use, which I, I, in my group I can kind of see sometimes we get a little buried in the dice or, you know, a little pushed away behind the rules. And one, the other thing that he wanted to make sure was definitely the heart, part of the heart and soul of the group was scaling of the game system. To make sure that as they went from mortals to demigods to deities themselves, that you definitely feel the tierness of the game. So that we can go from one level to another level. Because after all, once the group becomes, when the group is heroes... They're fighting a group of minions and a villain that's about their level. When they go up to Demigod, they're actually fighting what was a basically a boss mob at hero level, a group of them individually, and getting away with a walking fight in that one. That's one thing with Scion, that when the legend level steps up beyond four, you definitely see a huge power creep kick in. So it gets to the point of, when I'm in Legend 6 Demigod, nothing of Legend 3 or 4, Three or two could even touch you, unless they rolled really amazingly. Which, which when the dice pools start jumping, there's definitely a big change in that. So you, you'll, you'll be seeing a lot more times of the group just explains to me how they took out somebody, or they walk into a room and it's like wrestling a bunch of children. For the most part, unless they squirm away, you can easily take them out in a fair fight. It's just how do you do it without hurting people or getting casualties, which. I don't know about Bryn or Frost, but I think most of the rest of the group will try to avoid casualties. So that'll be interesting to see. Well, they listed four things here as their playstyle play goals. Bonding. Action is about bringing characters together in the face of danger. Others may fall apart, but the player's band builds common morale with each other. Scions progress from bands of desperate heroes to godlings to potentially full pantheons. 
Scions have different pantheons. Daredevils have social clubs. Scions have different orders. Novas are all over the map in terms of interests and groups. There must be ties that keep the players trope together and interested in one another's characters. And the system must aid that, at the very least, not inhibit it, and make the GM and player's job harder for them. So I'm going to be interested in see how they build a group tie together. I know we've done it in previous, you know, previous game sessions with different groups of you have a common thing together that really does push the group together in one path. But Scion's never been a big one for that yet. It'll be good to see how it happens. Then we have competence. The characters are good fighters, are clever enough to make their way through combat, or whatever challenge they're faced into confronting. They're also a little general risk of little general risk of failing in their area of expertise without significant or equal opposition. Trinity, Daredevils, and Scions are tough and highly capable, while Scions and, and other divine types are, often literally, blessed by the gods. Here's one that actually, here's, here's a bullet point that I actually really believe in. Interesting fights. Characters take advantage of their surroundings. Combat is tactically challenging, providing a high action, narrative heavy focus for players. That's one that I definitely love when the group starts getting stunting and just stunts up everything they're doing because it makes things a lot more visual and surreal to feel. And uh, if you guys have any hints, by the way, one of our patrons from Patreon.com sent in a really good thing for Trixie that I passed along to her about how to use her wireless interface a little more tech-savvy-like on cell phones and such like that. So that's one thing, I, Chris, I'd like to say thanks. You should definitely be using it for that. And for the fourth bullet point, pacing. Wall-to-wall -wall violence and epic conflict gets pretty dull. Non-action events reinforce and establish the world setting, providing clues to the action to the next action set piece, and tell the protagonists how to beat their enemies. This breaks up action scenes to keep them from getting boring. Every scene is accompanied by dramatic justification. That's one thing that I definitely think we, we do a good job of. We, we get into huge, hectic, hair-raising fights. Then we pull back afterwards and have a little little tense moment where, where the, the passion of the moment and the heat is just, just, just synced away, where you can just relieve the, the tension from the... the almost PTSD of com constant conflict. So pretty much I'm looking forward to Scion 2.0, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely hoping to see it come sooner than later. Currently they've got no ETA on its release date, but they pretty much will keep up on their blog about every month or two if you want to keep on the Onyx Path. On onyxpath.com, that's when they've got the uh, blog set up where you can check in and keep an eye of what's going on with Scion. Just just basically check either press releases or Scion. Usually Scion's the one that will give you the most up-to-date thing. And also something that we occasionally will look at, and we've been, we've been teasing about each of us submitting one. They've got a list of, they're working on, 101 adventure ideas. Currently it's the total's only at 91, but it's still, it's got a good jumble of all the different pantheons of what some really good adventure starting topics could be. So like always, guys, thank you for listening, and check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash cppn. At Facebook, we're at Creative Play and Podcast Network. Twitter, we're at creativeppn. And our own website, creativeplayandpodcastnetwork.com. Have a happy holidays, guys, and we'll see you at our next adventure. Hi, this is Jim from Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok podcast, and the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And I'd just like to say thank you for listening, and may fate always 
be on your set. Hey guys, and I'd just like to take a second to thank all of our patrons, the folks who supported us on Kickstarter, and the folks who've given us positive reviews on iTunes. So on iTunes, XO4, thanks man, you've been with us since the very beginning, and we still love getting messages from you, man. Next would be LOL Man, one, that's two L's, two N's, D&D Rocks, exclamation point, and OCU Teach. Thanks, you guys, for going to iTunes and hitting the review because it really does help other folks find us so they can actually hit us on the... If anybody in the patron and Kickstarter page wants their name to just be their last name or their first name, let us know. But I'd like to definitely shout out to Christopher Onstad. Thank you very much, man. Chris McCarty. Thank you. Kelly Springer. Thank you, honey. Carrie S. Thank you. Jocelyn Simone. JC Spears. Daniel McCabe. JJ. And Sandy. And, of course, James Springer. Thank you very much, guys. And thanks for being our patrons. Thanks for supporting us. Thank you for your emails because, guys, we love going through those emails. And if you want to shoot us a message, shoot us an email to creativeplaypodcastnet at gmail.com. Thank you for supporting us, guys.